We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first ever virtual pub run. It is Mike Cosentino, founder of Big Peach Running Company, one of your hosts for the Run ATL podcast. Of course, my friend and yours joins us as well, D2 Dolomite Dave Martinez. Welcome to Peachy's Pub, my friend. Good to be here, as always. Well, it's good to see you. It's a little strange still doing things this way, but we will have some fun for sure. First of all, I have to say, cheers, my friend. This is the pub, so it only makes sense that we have our post-run ale, part of the fun that we've had with friends from Wild Heaven Brewing. So D2, looks like you have one as well. Yours is going in a glass. My first coming, my first sip coming right out of the can. For those of you not familiar with Wild Heaven Brewing, this is not a shameless advertisement, but a very good place to start. What I am going to do is share some news with you for sure. And by doing so, I will give you some new flavors that our friends from Wild Heaven have put together, not surprisingly, and they say not to timestamp or date stamp a broadcast. We're gonna do it anyway. You can see a couple of these new flavors from Wild Heaven, very much indicative of the fact that we are in the midst here in April of the novel coronavirus. You can see Fauci Spring, their new Acai Pale, I'm sorry, Acai Pale Ale as well as don't stand so close to me. That's a German style lager for those of you who do not have eyes on our screen. You'll also see D2, really, really cool. They're doing hand sanitizer at Wild Heaven Brewing these days. So it's not just the suds that you can pick up curbside contactless. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, I know that Wild Heaven is one of them out of many brewers and uh, local distilleries that have stepped up during this time to provide uh, these materials to uh, you know kind of keep us safe and, and healthy with hand sanitizers. That is, is true. And as we enjoy the one that they did for us, we hope that if you are a beer drinker, you'll visit this website. As you can see, it is wildheavenbeer.com. Before we get into our first featured pub runner, one of the things that I found very interesting, you'll perhaps remember when we had her on last, Brittany Charbonneau, that was episode number 71. She is also known as the funny runner. And the funny runner, when I went to find more of her results since we saw her in Atlanta, we'll certainly talk about that. The funny runner is actually a term that I had no idea already had some mainstream worldwide web credibility. For those of you who can see the screen, what I'll tune you into is funny runner that actually has nothing to do with Brittany Charbonneau. Perhaps we'll ask her about that as she joins us. But funny runner is actually a prank video series d2 and i looked at a couple of these earlier today we will not share them live for fear that the video will sync our ability to keep everybody strung together but if you like 
prank videos, you need to check out Funny Runner videos. Basically, in a nutshell, this is your storyline. They have models they've chosen, or perhaps the people behind these pranks running past unsuspecting strangers in ways that are very unconventional. Doesn't mean they're wrong, certainly getting their exercise in, but the unconventional runner's form is then allowing the cameras to capture the reaction of those they pass. It is something to take a look at, and for sure, you'll want to see whether or not it's considered funny to you. One of the things for sure when we talk about funny runner is runners we know are quirky. And so as we put our first question out there, what is that makes a runner so funny? I'll give you a couple of examples, things that people have said to me in the in the past that makes a runny a runner funny. And that is, first of all, why do we run in place, especially at a corner or at a red light? Not everybody does it, but people who do not run wonder what the value of that is. D2, is that considered something that makes a runner funny or quirky in your estimation, running in place at an intersection? Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of, of, of why people are doing it is just so that they, you know, and, and it's it's such a small amount of time where they're just making sure that their heart rate's elevated and they feel like they're they're moving. Um, I don't know that it makes them feel that it makes them look funny. Um, maybe a little bit quirky to those that are not runners, but I can't say that I, when I'm at a light, I'm actually I I'm actually running in place. I stop, I wait for the light, and and then when the light goes, I go I, because I don't see. I mean, unless I'm like I really need those extra steps on my watch, you know. Let me get those a couple, you know. Uh, steps while I'm, while I'm waiting here for the light. That'd be the only reason. Well, and I have to admit, I don't understand it either. One thing I do understand is that the funny runner herself has joined us. Brittany, good evening to you. We're talking both funny and quirky. We've got a couple of other things that people have sent us, so we'll have to get you to weigh in on that. But first thing is first, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you guys doing? It's great to see you in person. Yes, indeed. Of course, we you by having you jet by our Midtown store not that long ago, although there are parts of me that feel like that was almost years ago when you were here in Atlanta. Right? Yeah, that doesn't even feel like that was two months ago. That feels like last year. It does, and it really less than two months ago. And of course, we're going to get into your trials experience. I'm going to give you one more thing to think about, whether it's quirky or whether it's funny or whether it might just be totally unnecessary. Wearing running shorts over tights or sweatpants. That is something that was also sent in as funny and perhaps not very well understood. What is your take on that as a funny or quirky runner? Well, so here's the funny part to that. So normally I would say like, why are you wearing shorts over pants and the whole thing? However, last week on a run, I wore my racing buns over my uh, tights because it was snowing here. <laughs> and so uh, whatever my outfit was, I really wanted to wear my race buns. And so I wore them over my pants. So normally I say, no, it's weird, but now I'm a huge advocate. Oh, how about that? Well, in snowing there, that gives me the sense that you're back in Colorado. 
And we're going to talk a little bit about your fashion choices. I could not help giving everybody, they need to go back and see this for themselves, of course. For those of you who have not yet listened to episode number 71, that was pre-Olympic marathon trials. Certainly do yourself a favor, go back and check that out. Now to bring everybody up to speed as we are on the backside of those trials, Brittany ran two hours, 33 minutes, and 14 seconds for a top 15, specifically a 13th place finish. What an awesome race you had, Brittany. Like I said in my text before you left town, congratulations. Thank you. It was awesome. I'm still like, I think I'm still riding that high. Like it was such a, such a good day. I PR'd. Um, The crowd, Atlanta was epic. The crowd was amazing. Yeah, I just couldn't have asked for a better first time at trials. That is awesome. And one of the things that we have to just kind of live vicariously through you is what was it like standing at the start line for the Olympic marathon trials? Um, For me, it was super exciting. It was, um, so I had run, that wasn't my first experience running as an elite in that large of a race. Um, and so I remember thinking whoever has not been in this position before I would, my heart goes to you because it's so intimidating, but luckily because I had run that my whole intimidating experience had happened at the New York marathon in 2018. (laughs) And I had that, what am I doing? This is crazy moment. Um, I had already experienced that. So I kind of felt like I belonged there and I felt settled in and I just felt excited because I knew what I was going to do that day. And so it wasn't as scary for me as I could only imagine for others being that first time experience would be so intimidating. Just seeing your great, seeing the best that America's distance running has to offer all in one group. Well, we already talked about how it seems so long ago that that actually happened. For those of you who can see it on the screen, I've just put thefunnyrunner.com on your screen. She is much more than a professional runner, but before we leave this part of her incredible existence, I also have to ask when it was that you felt like you were having as good a race and could have as good a day as you did. Did you feel that from the first steps out of the starting blocks or wasn't until later in the race that you were like, wow, this is quite a feat that is being accomplished right now? Uh, I knew it that I knew it that morning before the race even started, to be honest. Like I knew, I knew even before I left Denver, I mean, that's what I'd been prepping for. And I was just so on my mental game that I'm really proud of that, that I knew, I knew that I was going to have a great race that day. And I just had decided in my head and I knew that like my fitness was there, my body felt great, my brain felt great. And then um, once we got into the race, I remember the first lap thinking like that my whole strategy, that first lap was patience. Like that was probably my hardest chunk was having to just stay as patient as possible so that I could feel better at the end. And certainly by the end of the race, like you guys didn't joke around with your hills that you presented to us. So I was hurting by the end, like those last, that last hill in like 23, 24 was not a joke whatsoever. And I was hurting, but the whole experience and the crowds and everything it was just it washed away so much of that so um yeah i felt like i didn't really have any moments in there of course i had moments that were hard and challenging and hurt but i don't feel like i had any moments that i was questioning could i do this or what my day was going to look like i think i just decided what it was going to look like 
And that's the way it came together. Just as a quick reminder, the chat box is your friend. If you have a comment or a question for Brittany or otherwise, toss it into the chat box, D2, and I will get to it and certainly give you the audio if you prefer. We're talking to Brittany Charbonneau, not just the funny runner, but a very recent guest of the city of Atlanta as one of the participants in the 2020 Olympic marathon trials, a top 15 finisher. And you mentioned Brittany, that we delivered on the hills that we said that we were going to throw your way. We also, in my opinion, but I want to hear it from an athlete's perspective, delivered on an enthusiastic route and a bunch of people who were jacked to be out there supporting oh the athletes. Yeah, blew my expectations away. I remember coming around, it had to have been mile two or three or something, like so early on in the race that it was deafening. It was so loud of the crowds just going nuts. And it was honestly, I was like, my eardrums might explode, but I loved it. Um, the whole course. And you know, it was cool too, it was on the back stretch where we went um, away from Peachtree, like that little loop that we did off of Peachtree. Um, there was still lots and lots of people out there. So there was not one section of that race that we weren't getting support. And even the, um, hydration table volunteers were unbelievable they were all cheering like i mean we couldn't have gotten a better crowd it was amazing well and i think we believed we couldn't have gotten a better field so thank you for being part of that for sure and now i've got to ask you and you just talked about well maybe it's not so quirky to wear your running shorts or whatever it might be that you've chosen over a pair of sweatpants or tights so one of the things that we saw, we'll go ahead and put it up on our screen now. This is a picture of you during the trials. And I've seen a lot of matching where it is the top and the racing singlet with the briefs or the bottom. What I've not seen before, and we'll let our viewers take a look, is you've managed to match up the visor with the bottoms. Oh, yeah. So tell me about how much fun you were having that day, even selecting your outfit or where this came from. So I love, yeah, I love this picture. Um, I loved my outfit. It was just so me. Um, so I knew at the being in a being this not my first time in an elite race or with all of the regulations. I knew going into this that we would have to adjust our kits. So they're very strict on branding, um, and they like even have their rulers that they're measuring our logos and all of that. And so in the New York Marathon, I had to cover. I just posted it today, actually. Um, I had to cover my Nike hat with a piece of black tape. And I was so bummed because I was like, really? Like, it's this big and it's a white logo and I loved it. It's like, you're ruining my whole hat. Um, so I knew going into this that I, I knew my colors that I wanted to wear. I knew my color scheme. These are like my bright colors. And then um, I knew I was gonna have to do some logo covering. So my buns in this picture, like they say Nike, like all over the top of the band. And I had just printed my coaches, my Mercuria running brand on it. Um, and so I was so like frustrated and annoyed that we even had to do that. Cause I was like, if NASCAR gets to post all these logos, like why can't we do it? Our outfits are the size of a bikini. So I was like, I'm gonna have fun with this then. I'm gonna do it my way. So I picked all these colors, so I matched them. So throughout my whole training, I had different themes. And one of my themes, this training cycle was an artist, her name is Yayoi Kusama, and she's a um, Japanese artist and she loves polka dots. And I loved 
loved channeling her one particular week. So she really stuck in my brain. So I was like, I'm gonna bring polka dots to my outfit. So that's a nod to her. And she also loved pumpkins. And so that's, um, that there's a pumpkin on my hat and on my buns. And I had a pumpkin on my butt also. Um, and then Julia Child was another theme one week and Julia Child always had her pearls on. And so I ran in, a, in pearls quite a lot this um, training season. So there's like little pearls on my hat and my buns. And then I also, the polka dots are also a nod to James K. Polka Dot, uh, cause I had President's Week and I love the president. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm bringing me to this. Cause I wanted to look back. I'm like, you never know if this is gonna be my first and only trials experience, I certainly hope not, and that's not my goal, but if it is, like I wanna do it my way, I wanna show up fully as me, and like the, hopefully the world's ready for it. <laughs> well, I can tell you that I believe we were very much ready for it, and that's what we needed, and even now you've got, I can see the Colorado singlet right there, you are not afraid to make a statement. And part of what we love so much during our conversation back in February was you were having conversations to some degree on your own and to some degree with others as part of what was also so fascinating to learn more about you. I'm gonna put this up for everybody to take a look at. This is not just a professional runner that we're speaking to. We're back on thefunnyrunner.com. You can see she also has an acting career and you can find some of the clips as well as some of the stuff that she not only is the star of the show but also produces herself. Brittany, I cannot help but ask again about the weekend that is one of my favorite weekends I've ever heard about of all time where you combined your performance on stage with your performance at the Colfax Denver Marathon. So yeah. for those who have not yet listen to episode number 71 you were a little bashful in our first conversation and i had to tell everyone how <laughs> you placed on the stage and what you did in your race please do not we know each other too well at this point okay. do not be sure. bashful give us the yeah. highlights what was that weekend what did you do on the same weekend so this was in May 2017, and I had set a goal that I wanted to win the Colfax Marathon. I had just won my first half marathon, my first race in my entire life. I've already been running 17 years. My first race ever I had won the year before in Chicago. So I was back in Denver, and I set my goal. I thought, well, if I can win a half marathon, maybe I could win this uh, marathon i heard that you get a giant happy gilmore check if you win like that'd be cool so um that was my goal and so leading up this whole time training i was also in a local competition here it was a eight week i think it was like eight week competition every saturday night called denver's next improv star and uh the finale was the night before the colfax marathon so i was one of the top four in the finale of this show and um Four of us were in that show. The show ended at like 10.30 that night. I didn't end up winning. One of my best friends uh, won the show. I didn't win. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't win that. So maybe I'll, I'll just go ahead and win the race tomorrow. So didn't get home till probably close to midnight. Got up at four, raced, won, set the course record, uh, and had like a four or five minute PR. <laughs> 
So think about that, folks, in terms of a weekend, second place in an improv in a major market like Denver, and then turn around at a very serious marathon domestically and not only to win, but to also set the course record, probably not what would be the recommended amount of sleep or the lead up the day before, but man, did you make it happen. And when we talked about this, it was time to focus almost exclusively for you, Brittany, on the trials. Now we're on the backside. Give us a little bit of a sense of what you are focusing on, whether it is your acting and your performing, whether it is your running and races that you've already scheduled. We've already admitted that even though timestamps aren't popular on podcasts, we're doing that. So this is April 2020 in the midst of novel coronavirus. Given that that is part of the backstory right now, what is happening for you right now and as we kind of move through summer and fall 2020? Yeah. Um, Luckily for me, I hadn't set... My coach and I decided we weren't going to choose my next race after trials. We were just going to focus just on trials. So luckily for me, I didn't have another race that was lined up right away. So I luckily didn't have to go through the, you know, misfortune of the bummer that so many people are going through of what, what about my race? It got canceled. Um, But so I had the first like couple weeks off and was just doing like some fun running for the first month uh, post trials. But then I'm antsy, you know, and then I was coming off of my peak fitness and such an amazing race and that high. And so I was like, I got to set some goals here. So um, I am currently working on working on my mile time. So it's really random. So my I've always wanted to break five minutes in the mile. I've come close, but I've never like really given it a crack. And I haven't raced a mile since like high school. So I'm working on that right now, which is actually perfect for the marathon, just working on you know, those mid-marathon surges and um, just getting comfortable in that really fast zone. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on here, which is really fun. So I'm playing with that right now um, and trying to decide what I'm going to do for fall marathoning. I think I've got my eyes set on New York and hoping that would happen. Um, But yeah, so I'm just kind of like forging on. I just feel like we're so lucky that we get to run still. I mean, there's so many sports. I've got a really good friend of mine is a Paralympic swimmer and she can't train because pools are closed, you know? And so I'm like, well, I don't care if it's snowing, if it's raining, like I get to go run and I'm sure as heck going to be out there running because I love it. And it's just fun because I'm playing in different speeds and distances. I'm playing on different routes. Um, I'm finding so much change because no one wants to pick it up. Uh, so I'm just collecting just handfuls. Look at, look at, he's got change. <laughs> if I was there, I would snatch it from you. <laughs> well done, Mr. Wells. That is perfectly timed. And of course, Brittany, that's I'm not gonna- from, That's from tonight's five miler. I just came back. So two oh. pennies. The change picker up or two. I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh my gosh. Thank goodness I'm not the only one. So oh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to mute. So you had competition when she was in town. Bob, <laughs> that was no wonder. It was probably an off week for you oh when she was logging her easy miles before the race <laughs> itself. The streets were much cleaner, and you were perhaps much poorer than you would have otherwise been. I'll go ahead and ask this now, and then I'll come back to a couple of other things before we let you go. You did bring up the finding change. I know you were kind enough to share with me some of the stuff. You've ruined me. I'm looking 
even when I'm, I'm putting running clothes on of what's falling out of the laundry, out of the pockets, out of the whatever. And it's like, man, this is the curse of having spoken to Brittany Charbonneau, taking my life over yet once again. You are welcome. <laughs> we'll see. So how much is the state of Georgia lighter that is now back in Colorado with you? Here's something that like destroyed my heart. And I, it was a very moral battle that I struggled with during trials. So on my runs leading up to trials, of course, I like scoured the city and I collected so much change. But on the course, there was one particular penny on the back stretch. So again, as we were coming back towards the city on every single loop, there was this like shiny penny right in a perfect position that I could have just like scooped down and picked it up. Um, and I didn't, and I felt bad about it. I was like, after the day after, I was like, should I go back and get that penny? But it was like far enough away that I couldn't have, like I wasn't gonna run. Um, and I thought about it and even on my third lap, I knew I wasn't in top 10 at that point. And so I was like, I could totally just pick it up. <laughs> but then I was like, no, you told yourself you wouldn't pick it up on your race. So there's one beautiful penny that hopefully someone found. Well, I'm sure you have plenty of mementos from your race as well as from your time in Atlanta. I don't know if that would have been more special than the others. I personally believe with the top 15 finish, you made the right decision. Maybe Bob now has that penny or some other person you perhaps have influenced. Oh, yeah. Either way, I'm glad you made the decision that you did. So Thank we mentioned you. as we were coming in and uh, setting you up that when I went back to just find some images of the race, maybe even post-race with you, that I discovered there was this prank series called The Funny Runner. Are you familiar oh, with it? No. Okay, well, your question was going to be whether you find it funny or not. So now I guess I'm giving you homework. You'll have to go check it out for those who are just joining in. Again, The Funny Runner video series, I think there's four or perhaps five of them. It's set up oh, kind of like a handed camera. And so wow. this particular model, this runner, there's one with a male, there's one with a female, runs by unsuspecting people in very unconventional running form. Ah. And what the camera does is then pick up the reactions of those that see him or her go by. Cool. And for those of us who wonder whether people actually look at us when we're running and they are not, make no mistake, they are. And if you are a funny runner, not the way Brittany Charbonneau is, but the way these particular pranksters are, they are going to laugh at you. So you'll have to check that out. The funny runner. I thought only you would come up in my Google search. I got these videos instead. Everybody should check those out. Brittany, so let me ask you this then. What is one of the things that you believe makes runners in general funny or quirky? I've got a couple more that were submitted, but I want to see if you've got something that you would say, yeah, if we just are mature enough to laugh at ourselves as runners and walkers should be, we have to admit this is a little strange. Yeah, we are kind of a weird breed, aren't we? Um, I'm trying to think of the weird things that I do. I have gotten some very angry looks, um, especially lately, because I don't know about you, but I'm very much a farmer blower. <laughs> I gotta get it out. I'm running. I gotta get this out. And uh, people are not happy about it. Like right now. Uh, Cause it's, you know, a crazy time. Uh, I've been seen galloping a lot lately. I've uh, quite enjoyed galloping. So I know people are 
wondering what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> uh, gosh, there's just so many things. I think the I think probably when we're out there on those days that are whether it's pouring down rain or snowing or super hot and you always see that runner out, I'm sure that the people that aren't runners are wondering like why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you even why are you out? You know, I think I like I definitely get that sense from the public when I'm out on those crummy days. Um, but I don't I those are my like some of my most fun days. I don't know about you. Well, I think I love the second one that you mentioned because I actually think if people were honest, that's inspiring. When you're out in the snow or the rain or any of us are out there and the conditions are subpar or just plain terrible, my yeah. belief is Somebody may say, why would you do that? But in the back of his or her mind, they're also thinking, that's pretty cool. The farmers blow. You and I are kindred spirits yet once again. So I am a big fan of that. I hadn't thought about maybe the lack of appropriateness that now, especially during yeah. the coronavirus season, comes with it. But I can tell you, considering I am running all by myself these days, my dog does not seem to mind and there is nobody around. So I am not going to feel bad about it. Another one that was submitted, maybe this is just for those of us on the male side of the equation. What about slathering our bodies or specifically our chests with Vaselines or buying a product called NipGuard? Somebody said that makes us quirky. Anybody uh, feel like that's not true? I, that's, that's quirky. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just chafing in general, right? To take a thing of Vaseline that's normally in the medicine cabinet and now to take it to a starting line and rub it all over random parts of our body. I find that's considered strange in public. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is mm -hmm. so it's it's not um, just and you know what too like now that we're talking about things in public like that like what we wear especially as elites in our racing is we when would you ever when would that ever be okay to be just like literally like in a swimsuit just going out for a really long run in the public streets <laughs> like that's not normal so this wasn't a question I had planned, but you brought me to this. This is a question I've had that I've never had the good fortune of asking. And I'm going to say even more so for females, because I feel like when I see my female friends at the social runs normally running in, even if they're super fast, versus what I see my male friends run in at the social runs, even if they're super fast, there is a marked difference on race day, especially at something like the Olympic marathon trials. Does that outfit compared to what you would run in on a hard training day, is it that much faster? No, I don't think it's that much faster. Like it's all psychological, right? Okay. Like it's, yeah, I think so. I mean, the the difference of buns versus like the three inch shorts is this much fabric. <laughs> There's no way. But if someone wants to scientifically prove it, I'm in because I like it works for me. Um, but no, I think it's so just a psychological thing. I think it's just the exact same as if you're putting on all your football gear. You know, you've got your regular training football gear, but then you put on your uniform and it's branded and it's polished. You just feel put together. Um, and that's like going back to my race outfit for trials. That was very much my intention. It was very much strategic and planned, knowing that I feel so comfortable in what I'm wearing. Um, that I feel confident and I know that this is bringing me back to my fun, playful side that I thrive in when I'm at my peak, when I'm really in that mode. So, um, no, <laughs> to answer your question, like, yeah, I, and I don't know where it came from, why we race in that. I should look into that and figure out why we even race in these things. 
Well, and at this point, if we now have heard it from a verifiable and trusted resource, now we know that it might be more of a mental advantage than what it is a real clock time advantage. But I had to ask since you took us there. And before we let you go, Brittany, I'm going to let you have a final word with Atlanta. It has been less than two months ago that you were here at the starting line. You've already indicated that the city of Atlanta showed you a good time, even with the heat hills and humidity that we threw your way along with some pretty sizable wind gusts on race day yeah that was no joke that was colorado style wasn't it i forgot about it yeah i totally forgot that we that was a factor as well mm -hmm. yeah we had all we had everything you did have everything and yet you wouldn't have wanted it any other way i'm certain it was a day i'm sure for the ages for so many people certainly one that you'll remember the rest of your life and i know that some of the things that i saw that day will be images that have burned their way into my memory that are still very special maybe even more so now knowing what we know in fact i remember d2 and i having the conversation on race afternoon sunday we had done the Publix Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon. All of a sudden, the question was, well, now what next? And there's part of me that wishes I had never asked because now we kind of know what next looks like. But I remember being in our Midtown store, being at the back of the store, the front doors were open and watching you and all of the other qualifiers go by with literally people that were four, five, six deep on the sidewalk is just an image I cannot get out of my mind, not yeah. just because it's changed so much right now, but to think here we are doing mission work that we've thought about for years, decades at Big Peach Running Company, and then to have this transpiring right outside our front door, oh my goodness, how special was it? So what I want you to do is just to say, whatever it is that you wish you could have said before you left Atlanta, now that Atlanta is going to hold no matter what coronavirus does, it is going to be a special place for you in 2020. What would you say to Atlanta as we say, once again, congratulations to the funny runner? I wish I had like a giant, I wish we got to do like one giant victory lap with a big banner that just said, thank you, um, oh. man. Like, and like, and I wish like, that you that I could dedicate it to literally every single person that was out there. There was just, it was, I watched the race a couple weeks after and it didn't, it wasn't the same race on TV mm -hmm. as it was in person. It was just, it was, it was walls of people. And um, it was you, so the cool part is it's always just gonna be burned into my memory because it was just so special. Like the vibe there and the energy, and we had talked about this before trials on the podcast was, you know, please just bring your joy, please bring your energy for all of us. And holy smokes, I felt it, you know, like the, I remember the giant walls of people that, like I said, was just so deafening. But then I remember catching those little moments of all of these different people that were throwing out the, whether it was shouting directly for me, whether it was saying my name or trying to pronounce my name or um, just like go USA or, you know, that was just so special, you know? And I think it was just, to, to me, I think we think about the world majors and we think about those cities that we expect that they're gonna deliver um, because that they host world major marathons. And so they like, we're like, yeah, you should show up and like the whole city should be supporting us. But I felt like this was 
more than a world major. I felt like trials was really um, like running city USA or whatever that slogan is. Like that was that whole weekend. It was just epic. So Atlanta's got a special place in my heart for sure, forever. Awesome. Well, you do in ours as well, Brittany. It has been a pleasure. You are a terrific friend, not just to us, but to the sport. Thanks for everything, obviously, for some special memories in March and all you'll do going forward. I know we'll stay in touch. Thanks again. She is the funny runner. Make sure you check her out. We've given you the website. We'll also include it in our show notes and we will stay in touch because this will not be the last you hear of Brittany Charbonneau by any stretch. Our coach, our dear coach from Oglethorpe University, Kirk Shellhouse, has joined us. He came to Oglethorpe in 2015. I believe he is now on the horn, as they say. Kirk, how about an audio check? Can you hear us all right? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Right on. Yes, we yeah. can. Fine, sir. It is awesome to have you. I know you are a busy man, despite the fact this is a strange season. But I have to start here for no other reason People would be upset with me for not asking, how are you doing to have yes. to go to your student athletes, to have to think about things now that you would have never envisioned? And yet it is the truth that you did not finish your season and that we are not back to the conclusion of a track and field season the way we thought it should be. So what are you doing and what are you thinking about these days? It's, it's challenging. It's challenging. It's devastating. It's difficult. I mean, I could go on. Um, it's, you know, we went a while with it, it being very numb. Um, you know, when it was announced, we would, uh, we would at least suspend the season, not knowing if we'd finish it. We were coming off our spring break. So for us, it was time to do outdoor track, time to go to Myrtle Beach, time to, you know, have the outdoor season. Um, and, once we kind of took a week off and trying to figure out what we we're going to do as a university, um, you know, it's it changed everything. And uh, when when the NCAA and the um, and the Southern Athletic Association, the conference that we compete in, when they decided to to postpone everything and cancel everything indefinitely, you know, it was it was challenging. It was it was difficult. Um, and for our seniors, it was it was the end. It was the end of of their. Um, of their career. Um, you know, maybe one or two can come back, um, based off of some extra classes or semesters they need to get to finish their college education or undergraduate. But, uh, for most of them it's over, you know, it's four years of experience and, and work and blood and sweat and tears and dedication from them and their families. It was, it was over. Um, and we just never thought it would come to that point. I maybe part of me doesn't even feel until we get to maybe next school year that it actually really happened. Um, and it was, it was hard for me, especially hard for me, because it was my first recruiting class. So this, well, this group of seniors um, was my first group that came through Oglethorpe all four years, um, and we didn't get to see them through. Um, but I had to look at the big picture and realize it's not just us. It's all college athletics. It's high school. It's the scholastic level. It's everybody that's losing their last season. So I'm trying to look forward, grow our team into this fall, and – trying to get things, I guess, quote unquote, back to normal with cross country and track and field at the collegiate level. Well, I love the fact, Coach, that you use that expression back to normal. And, and before I go there, which was a planned question, I'm going to ask another question that maybe is, is really predictable. And certainly we don't consider ourselves sensationalists or those kind of journalists who would make a living of living on the edge. 
but give us a sense, especially in, and I mentioned earlier that you had arrived at Oglethorpe in 2015, so I knew this was your first full class. What do you say to that young man or young woman who was a senior, who was one of your perhaps more talented athletes even, and now letting them go as the influence that you've been in his or her life? What does that conversation sound like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So for a lot of our group, and, and, and you know, I'm a coach that attacks athletes that works with them that attacks their, their our relationship individually and for most of my, my group luckily um they were distance runners so we didn't we didn't graduate any female distance runners um most of them were male distance runners so they got a cross-country season you know they they got a season and i think if they were a track only spring athlete it would be it the conversation ending the season, the email that I had to send out, the phone calls I had to take after would have been harder. Um, I think for some of our distance guys, they knew that at least cross country was at least felt like they concluded their career. Um, did you know ended on a good note? Um, but they understand that there could have been you know um, some more some something more happened track during the track season. We did have one female uh, distance or sorry, track athlete that was a senior, um, but the, the, I guess her and I never had a hard conversation because she plans on being an Oglethorpe for all of next year, <laughs> so she's going to be back. Um, so from our our view, we we actually have had not, not as much difficult conversations as some of the my other counterparts have had across collegiate athletics. Um, for us, it's it's been a little bit a little bit different. And I think all the conversations we've had with these graduating seniors have been forward, have been about running a fast time over the summer once road races open up, about training on their own, whatever their lives take them, if it's in Atlanta or if it's going back to Florida or, or you know, where these kids are from. Um, you know, that's what we've talked about. Uh, you know, we just recently exchanged a few messages where they're, they're talking about putting a summer running group together. And so it sounds like these, these graduating seniors are going to stay in Atlanta. So running's not over for them. Um, I, I hope I can be a part of their future running, but you know, I'm here to support them going forward. So I guess for us, you know, it, it's, it's hard, but we, we're all looking forward together. Um, and you know, I haven't had that conversation that brings me to tears just yet. <laughs> um, because I think we're all being very positive for how difficult the situation is and how unprecedented it is uh, for college athletics and for everybody, for their families, um, you know, for, for really everybody. So we're trying to we're trying to look forward, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense. And for those of you who are just getting to know Coach Shellhouse, go back and listen to episode number 59. He joined us, especially for those of you who are involved with or know student athletes at every level, the guidance that he just gave and the guidance that he gave us ad nauseum in that particular episode is something you're going to want to listen to. Obviously, his optimistic spirit is something that you'll want to share and pass along because there will be seasons to come and there will be lessons to learn from this particular episode and season that we are all in. So, Coach, let's go back to that phrase that you used, back to normal. I'm not so sure any of us would guess with total confidence what normal is going to look like by the time we get to track and field season next year. 
But what are some of those things that you believe you'll just have to do differently or perhaps be especially mindful of by the time you get to the start of next school year or after you have your new recruited class or are starting in earnest in the 2021 season? Yeah, well, half of me, and, I, and I'll try to take a step back and look at it from, from you know, I, I said back normal, but, you know, half of me wants there to be some normality, normal, you know, normal sense in, in what we're going towards for next year. But the other half of me knows that it's not going to happen, right? We're not, we're not going to be, it's not going to be normal anymore. Um, just before this call, before we had this conversation, I was notified that our school year has been changed for next year. Um, you know, I, maybe I've spilled the beans on that, but as of now, it looks like we're not starting school on time. It's a hundred percent decided. So my cross country season has already been decided that it's not starting on time. So I have to go forward and look at what this is going to be a shortened season. Things are going to be different. Um, you know, we're going to have to coach to a, 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 you know, a smaller training block. We're going to have to coach athletes, um, at least for the cross country season in a shorter amount of time. We're going to have to get ready for that hopefully indoor track season, which starts usually in October sooner. Um, and then we, and then we have to really look at, you know, the safety of the athletes. You know, do we have, does the, does the coronavirus, does the COVID-19 come back on campus? Does it, do our athletes get sick? Do we have to, you know, conduct practices, um, habits daily, you know, and, and to be honest, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> We're still so worried about getting the, the final kids to commit because we know there's financial changes for everybody. Um, and we're trying to figure out what the summer for our summer training block is going to look like. And every day we go forward, something changes. So I'm almost trying to be normal in half of my life with pre preparation for the upcoming year. But as, as we're going, I have to be um, accommodating to all the changes that are happening. So it's really a, a toss up for what's happening. Just talk to a counterpart, women's soccer coach, you know, same thing. We don't, we really just don't know a lot going into next year and we're learning more and more as we approach those, those summer months. So I'm going to ask this also coach, and obviously you gave us a little bit of a sense of what's going on at Oglethorpe. For those of you who have your screens handy, Oglethorpe is part of the Southern Athletic Association. You'll see those member schools on your screen now. Are you hearing much from the Athletic Association or even the NCAA in terms of what school or cross country might look like in the back half of this year? Yeah. Um, you know, the NCAA from our commissioner standpoint and you, you know, um, they're, they're a mess. That's the best way to put it. Uh, for if, if people aren't too familiar with college athletics and NCAA athletics, uh, because of the lack of March Madness, the money is not there to support our championships. So just a little backstory, how it works at the NCAA Division Three and Division Two level and Division One level, all championships besides football and basketball and maybe the College World Series for, for the men's baseball, um, are paid for by the the football, the men, uh, Division One football and Division One basketball. The money that comes from that is redistributed to pay for championships across all levels. Okay, so going into cross country, indoor and outdoor track season, there's some doubts that we will have money to even have championships for this coming academic year. 
Um, that's not official. That's just some concerns we're hearing. But the NCAA is not telling us anything because, well, they have bigger fish to fry trying to figure out if they're going to have a football season, which helps pay for for a lot of this going into the fall. So our, our fellow coaches across the league, we had our conference call last week uh, to conclude our year and try to take a step into the next academic year. Um, we had a good conversation. It was very positive. It was looking at what we could do to improve the sport uh, for indoor and outdoor track um, to move towards hopefully an indoor track championships. We currently do not have a full sponsor championships. We do participate in indoor track and field. It's not a conference championship yet officially, but it's going to be that way in the next few years, it sounds like. Um, so we're looking forward, but kind of like, you know, uh, my mindset with our program, everything's looking forward, but it would not surprise me if we lack, um, NCAA championships amongst a lot of sports this fall. And we just have to kind of work as a conference and as an institution and giving the best experience for our kids, um, competitions, championship level competitions, um, you know, growth, having fun, which is the most important thing. And of course, you know, being able to make that part of their college education. So it's, it's, it's tough right now. You know, we're hearing a lot of things, nothing's in stone. Uh, listen to that again. We talk about rightfully so, and I think we hear it regularly. We are in this together. If you go back and listen to what Coach Shellhouse just said relative to have to work together as a conference and as an institution, that shows you just how much in this together we need to be for sports. And I don't want to make this a coronavirus downer, Coach. So what I have to do is a couple of things that perhaps are a little bit more lighthearted. You are also an Ohio and Cleveland sports nut that I do know. And that has to be a particular toll on you that is tough to pay. Correct. Correct. Um, you know, I am, I'm in my thirties, so I, I've, you know, experienced a lot of Cleveland sports, um, sadness. Um, but of course, in, you know, um, uh, with the Cavs winning not too many years ago, um, you know, some, some success. I was here in Atlanta when the, when the Cavaliers won, um, which was great. And the Indians, of course, you know, lost that game seven against the Cubs at home in extra innings, uh, that same, same sports year. Um, but we have faith, you know, that's, I mean, that's one thing I guess I bring to my personal life and to even working with my athletes. Um, I grew up in an area where see, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and that surrounding area sees the least amount of sun than any other metropolitan area in the country. Okay. We don't, we don't see sun. It's depressing. It gets cloudy in November. And you don't see it until May. Um, and you, it's, you know, for, you know, it's windy, it's cold. We're tough. We're tough people. We're resilient. Um, so I bring that down here and our staff, our, our team, we're resilient. You know, we're, we're going to push through no matter what. Um, and even being a pro sports fan, um, you know, uh, we have faith in the Browns being hopefully good since they got some new uniforms, hopefully, uh, or back to the old uniforms. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, we bring that resiliency down to the warmer weather and the, uh, the better training. <laughs> um, and that's why I tell our athletes, they don't get it. You know, they meet other colleagues of mine when they come South and we tell them the stories. They don't believe that. Between intervals, when I was in college, we had to shovel the track, right? So you're shoveling lane two, and then when your interval rest is over, you're back in lane one running around the track because there's, you know, four to six inches of snow on the ground. Um, that's how it was, and, you know, we didn't have indoor facilities. So a lot of colleges don't, you know, so we're, we're resilient. We know how to push through difficult times, and as a sports, as a Cleveland sports fan, uh, we, we've, I think we've got it the most uh, than anybody, it seems like. That is true. It's funny. I grew up in northern Indiana and I remember those days. In fact, I before coming to Georgia, I was in Tennessee where the sun made much more of a regular appearance. I remember calling my dad and being like, hey, dad, how's it going? And he'd be 
haven't seen the sun in 53 days. <laughs> Sounds like it was very similar in northern Ohio, but yeah. not true here in Georgia. Well, you know, we also had Brittany Charbonneau on the funny runner. One of the things, our discussion topic, we're going to throw this your direction. What is it in your estimation or observations that you've made? Because at this point, it is unanimous that we believe even if we are runners and walkers, we're kind of a strange, quirky, funny bunch. What would you add to the discussion that just makes runners or walkers kind of funny or peculiar? Anything that you would say, well, this is a personal anecdote or that you've observed that you would be willing to share with us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, you know, um, especially with, you know, there's differences in track, right? You know, sprinters, jumpers, throwers are much different than distance athletes, uh, you know, but from a, from a walker, runner, you know, um, I think the biggest thing is it's the drive. You know, most athletes, runners, um, you know, we're different. We're made different. We enjoy getting out there and, uh, and you know, pounding the roads or the track or the trails or whatever it looks like for you, and we're never satisfied. You know, um, I, college coach, college coaches are never satisfied, right? Everybody, everybody in everybody's life is driven in some, some, you know, sort, hopefully. Um, but what I've learned from runners is, you know, we're never satisfied. You can run a, a 30 second PR. You could do something that you've never done in your life. And you're going to say, that's great, but I need to do more. I need to work harder. I can do better than that. All right. We're never satisfied. Um, you know, from the top of level elite level athletes to, you know, the, the, you know, the hobby, hobby, you know, athletes like to go out there and just do it for fun. Um, there's a drive behind them. And I think it's that we're never satisfied. Uh, we're, we're driving towards if it's from weight loss to general health to running a fast time, we want to push ourselves. And there's something different that molds us that way that, that most people in the outside running world call us a little bit strange <laughs> and, and uh, quirky and, uh, and they don't understand it and they never will. Um, I grew up in a family of football players. Uh, my both my dad and my grandfather were college football players at the small school level. Um, you know, I was the first runner, you know, real runner. Um, and they still don't get it. My colleagues, they still don't get it. You know, um, you know, a lot of the people I, I, I'm good friends to stay still don't get it unless you're a runner or, or jogger or you know you're you're in this world. It's just different. We're driven different. We're built different. Um, that'd just be my, my kind of two cents on, on what I've observed over these you know X amount of years of being in running. Well, I would say that is the truth. And you did a great job of taking the high road because yes, we are different, but to use your term, we are also very driven. The last one that I had submitted, see if you agree with this. Runners are quirky because we seemingly are willing to pee anywhere whether it's the start of the New York City Marathon or whether it's broad daylight in the neighborhood or along the road, we have to stay hydrated and we have to get our mileage in. And sometimes the lack of convenience is not there and it just doesn't seem to bother us. In addition, I've heard that some people are choosing routes historically based on which neighborhoods in and around Atlanta are getting the most development because they can dot their course with portable toilets along the way. And it's a reliable place not to have to do it 
in public viewing. So I think that makes us strange for sure. Again, the chat box is your friend. Bob, thank you very much for your greetings and your appreciation for Brittany for sure. We've enjoyed having her. We're going to come down the home stretch on this inaugural virtual pub run product spotlight and a giveaway. I am going to share my screen once again. As I do so, I'm going to take you to a product that oftentimes gets overlooked in terms of its total importance, but I will tell you is almost as important as the shoes that it's so easy for Big Peach Running Company to always talk about. And I'm not just talking specifically about the pair that is on the screen, although when you see me back on the screen, you'll see this particular pair that you see is our giveaway for our question of this broadcast. What you need to know about socks are a few different things if you've not thought about it or shared it with friends before. The arch band that you can see on this image certainly helps keep your foot in place. The tab that you see, this is the most popular cut of sock these days. Up towards the heel, there is this tab that helps keep it slide down the heel. That will not happen inside your shoe. Same thing on the forward part of the sock, keep everything in place. You'll see the padding that is additional in both the heel and underneath the ball of the foot and around the toes. No surprises there, that is done as engineering for a reason. Most importantly, these materials do an awesome job of transferring moisture, whether perspiration or water from an aid station. You spend so much money on a good pair of technically capable running shoes. Last thing you wanna do is negate part of that investment, which are the fibers that comprise the upper of the shoe by putting on socks that do not transfer that moisture. So synthetic materials always listed on the packaging of every sock. The sock that you see from Bolega, the Ultralight, a relatively new product from them. We have this as a giveaway. Whether you put it in the chat box or whether you send it to podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com, Bolega is a sock brand from what country? It is not a domestic brand. If you know where Bolega is from, you have another 60 seconds to put your answer in the chat box. Otherwise, you can send your answer to podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. We will get your address. We will send it to you at our expense, or we will make sure you can pick it up. Very easy, contactless curbside delivery from the Big Peach Running Company store of your choice. But we have come down the first edition's home stretch D2. Anything that you would say before we depart, episode number one in the books? No, I mean, it's been fun listening and, and you know, and, and kind of reliving uh, you know, the Olympic marathon weekend with, with Brittany and, and also kind of getting a, a little bit of an insight to what Kirk is doing at Oglethorpe because I know this, we don't hear a little bit of, of those type of stories and how it's impacting students and student athletes and even coaches at, you know, at, you know, at, you know, we hear more about the medical community and more about business, but not really about the impact around school. So it's kind of interesting to hear that insight uh, directly from Kirk. So thank you to both. 
Yes, indeed. And I am happy as a perfect way to wrap this to indicate that Bob Wells has the correct answer. For those of you who do not want to do your own research, Mr. Wells has done it for you. Bolega socks are from South Africa. That scores him this pair of socks in the size of his choice. Bob, if you do not mind sending your preferred shipping address to podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com or sending us which store you would like to pick those up at, at your convenience, we'll make sure they are waiting for you. Thank you, not just for being part of this, but for your correct answer. And for all of you, again, we're going to do this every Tuesday, at least through the month of May, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. For those of you who are used to listening to the Run ATL podcast, this will be your substitute for the next few episodes as we have turned our studio into a warehouse for our e-com fulfillment and as a way to ensure our own social distancing. But do not despair. The Run ATL podcast will be back as regulations and common sense suggest. So once again, as we say on that broadcast, as we always mean, and as we certainly hope today as much as ever, thanks for joining us and may your best miles be those covered on foot. 